Now back to Unnecessary Roughness. You about to actually buy Nebraska football right now? No, but I'm going more than one blow. Oh, an onside kick. Northwestern is on it. At the 45, Scott Frost going for the mortal blow in this game, and now Northwestern has a short field. Bill Bush, right there, special teams coach. That may be something that is called if you get the look. Right, that, that's usually how that works, is if you get the look, you're going to dial it up. If not, then you go ahead and kick it away. Assume based on your comment about Nebraska, you did not like the outside kick decision. <laughs> I wasn't a fan of it, but I'm a huge fan of Scott Frost, so it's tough for me to like speak against him, but, you know. Nah, no one play loses the game, but that one hurt. That one hurt. It definitely hurt. It definitely hurt. Now back to Unnecessary Roughness with your boy Q. One Raiders running backs right there, Amir Abdullah, Nebraska alum. (laughs) Not too happy with the onside kick call by Scott Frost as they lost to Northwestern. Matter of fact, after that kick, they never scored again. So not one play Ends the game for you, but it's ended their scoring. That was for sure. But uh, that's another conversation for another day. Joining us now on the phone lines from the NFL Network is Nick Shook. And, Nick, thank you so much for your time this afternoon, my man. I appreciate you. And when we met, it was in Canton, Ohio. It was the Hall of Fame game. The Raiders came away with the victory. Not that it mattered. It's a Hall, it's a Hall of Fame game. It's preseason. But what they've done since then is they won all their preseason games, had zero turnovers, and very little penalties with a bunch of backups in. What does that tell you about this Josh McDaniels-led team? You welcome to the Patriot Way West, my friend. <laughs> Disciplined football. You know, we talked about how they played with a little bit of tempo in that Hall of Fame game. What you're seeing here is the effects of a well-oiled machine, uh, a team that knows what it has to do on a play-by-play basis, and that starts with coaching. This is what you shot for when you hired Josh McDaniels, and you hoped that Dave Ziegler would be able to handle the personnel changes Accordingly, you saw them get rid of Alex Leatherwood, um, trying to turn over the roster toward a brighter future. But you, you love to see the immediate impact of the new coach coming in from New England, which is a program that, that prides itself on not making mental mistakes, on not turning the ball over, on operating efficiently and with a little bit of pace. And uh, we've seen all of that so far. So I think you should come to expect that from the team, and it's very encouraging. Obviously, you don't put too much stock into preseason wins, of course. You right. know, the Owen 16 Browns, they won all four of their preseason games. <laughs> so, same with the Lions uh, when they went Owen 16 as well. So, it's not necessarily the best precursor. The Ravens would beg to differ with their uh, long preseason winning streak, but uh, it is encouraging to see them play in that style. And you're right. The wins, you know, don't matter. You can't carry them over into the regular season, but the habits, you know, the habits that they're forming right now, do you feel like that that's something that they can carry over? Yeah, absolutely, because I think they have the talent. I mean, you know what Derek Carr is. Even if his reputation isn't that great outside of, you know, Las Vegas, it's he's a very good quarterback. I think he's unfairly treated by most of the football world. I actually value him more than the average person does. And, and you go from there, you go to what you got at running back with Josh Jacobs and, and so on the rest of that room, which you got a receiver, starting with Devontae Adams, Hunter Renfro, Darren Waller at tight end. You can go down the list. You have a ton of options offensively. And you just need that defense to be better. And, and I think if you're playing disciplined football, that's going to bear out on the defensive side of the, of the ball where you're not going to miss tackles, you're not going to make mistakes. You're still going to get after the quarterback with, uh, you know, with Max Crosby and new arrival Chandler Jones. And if you're playing disciplined football, that means less blown coverages, better assignments, better overall football, less room for mistakes. 
increases your chance of victory. So, yeah, it's something that you're definitely excited to see. Hopefully it carries over into the regular season and you see them get off to a fast start because this division, man, it's not going to be a sprint. It's going to be a marathon, and they're going to have to be able to try to stay near the front of the pack for most of the season if they want to get into the playoffs, considering how difficult it's going to be uh, to rack up the wins. Yeah, and they play every one of their division opponents in the first five weeks. I mean, they've, they've visited with every single one of those teams by the time they, week hit, they hit week five, so that's going to be something to pay attention to. And, uh, Nick, the big elephant in the room, you mentioned Alex Leatherwood. They moved on from him. The offensive line has been talked about so much. The Bengals last season had a terrible offensive line. Joe Burrow got pummeled, and they made it to the Super Bowl. Is there a way, obviously not ideally, is there a way, though, that Josh McDaniels could scheme things up to help out that offensive line, especially early on? just trying to protect them a little bit. Yeah, I think the caveat there in that Bengals example is the fact that, yes, they made it to the Super Bowl, but they didn't win the Super Bowl. And ultimately, <laughs> right. that's your goal, right? So that's what you want. You know, that's, that's the final destination that you aim for. But, yeah, I think if I put it in the hands of any coach, there's only a handful of coaches that I believe would be properly equipped with the right experience and the ability to make the, the right decisions within the game to be able to scheme up your offense. And you have, the good thing, though, is, you have the weapons to do that to attack all levels of the field, to run the ball with authority. Um, it's not like you're just leaning on Devontae Adams. You have a number of other guys in that offense that can make contributions that you can rely on. Um, and, and so you can kind of scheme around, you know, the idea of, of getting pressure. You can use Darren Waller as, a, as a, a safety valve, as a reliable target who can make the big play but also can be counted on. You can kind of think about Foster Moreau in that regard as well. Josh Jacobs can be your running back that you pound, Zemir White. You can bring in as a spell back. you got Brandon Bolden coming over from New England as well. And the receiving core, of course, you know, um, even guys like Matt Collins is a good step up and make a play. So um, you could be in much worse situations than having Josh Daniels. I think the only big question mark I have with him is how does he handle the duties of being a head coach because he's been a coordinator for so long in New England. Now, you could, one could say that, you know, he's been seasoned to handle this job. And so far, he looks like he can handle it a lot better than he did in Denver, which was, you know, a decade plus ago. Uh, it seems like that time in New England has kind of allowed him to mature and get that experience necessary. But it's going to be a test. Uh, you know, let's say they end up in a game where they're just getting attacked. You know, Khalil Mack's getting all over him and Joey Bosa or, you know, George Karloftis is getting pressure and, and uh, Frank Clark and guys like that are getting after him. Uh, Chris Jones, you're playing against Kansas City and you're dealing with that. Um, that's going to be the big test of him is how can you adjust within the game. Hopefully, uh, schematically, he is prepared for this. And, again, they have the talent to rely on to be able to attack it in a number of different ways. Talking with Nick Shook right now on Unnecessary Roughness, Radio Nation Radio 920. How about Colton Miller? We haven't seen him at all, or we didn't see him at all in the preseason. The Raiders gave up a ton of sacks as far as that offensive line goes. But as far as Colton Miller returning, how much of a boost will that help, especially on that left side, just kind of but help out the rest of the guys as well, being that steady force there on the left? It should be huge. Uh, I mean, that's the blind side of the quarterback, of course, and it's, there's a reason that left tackles make a ton of money. Um, they're the most valuable linemen, I think, outside of a center. And um, as long as you can get quality play out of him, even though he hasn't taken the field in the preseason, then, you, then you're going to want to depend on that. Uh, and, and it, you know, Derek Carr can move a little bit, but you're not going to be running read option with him or anything like that. <laughs> right. So it's it's vitally important, but it could be a huge boost. It's much better than the alternative, I'll definitely say that. Yeah, no, there's a, that's, a, that's a good point right there. Again, we're talking with Nick Shook here on Raider Nation Radio 920. The Raiders have four guys currently on the roster, undrafted free agents. They also have a guy from last year that was undrafted free agent, also made the 53-man roster. How often do you see that many guys undrafted make the 53-man roster initially? 
Um, it's it's not super uncommon. The number itself is a little bit more uncommon, um, but it, it does tend to happen from time to time. I think even you know division rival Austin Eckler, he was an undrafted free yeah. agent. Look what he's become. Mm-hmm. You know that tends to happen. Guys slip through the cracks, and that's a credit to your personnel department. I think that you know with this with this new regime coming in, they've obviously have a way to scout and and identify talent. Probably following a similar formula that the Belichick Patriots have followed for many years, and and if you look back at at what you know Belichick even did in Cleveland um, before, you know the Ravens go on to win the Super Bowl after he gets fired, you know what four or five years later, and a lot of that product is was their advanced scouting, their ability to construct the team, and Ozzie Newsom carrying that over in Baltimore, and then they did that in New England for years with a number of different guys that they've developed into stars. J.C. Jackson, another guy, undrafted mm-hmm. free agent, ends up being a stud corner gets paid big time, of course, by the Chargers. So he played really good football in New England. He proved that he wasn't just the other corner uh, opposite Stephon Gilmore. So if you have that same kind of player analysis and they're coming from the same school of thought, then you actually should be encouraged by the number of undrafted free agents with the hopes that some of those guys do pan out. It's not so much taking a shot in the dark, but taking an educated guess, hoping that your development and the way that you have your system set up is able to allow them to improve and then make a contribution. You know, we look at a team like the Rams who pays everyone. They traded for everyone, gave away their first-round picks in order to get all these players in, but they hit on their their less, their less later-round picks. They hit on their undrafted free agents. They do all that, and so they're able to build a roster and actually have a lot of homegrown talent. Uh, if, you're, if you're able to do something like the Rams have been able to do, uh, doesn't that allow you to have the flexibility to go ahead and pay some extra guys some extra money when you, you have all these other guys on uh, – on lower deals. Yeah, absolutely. Because, like you said, you just said it perfectly, the, the, the lesser deals. The, they're not, you know, they're making undrafted money. Now, eventually they're going to have to get paid, but if you can time it up, it's all about your windows, especially right. in football with the salary cap and the value of quarterback position um, and how much you're going to pay them. It's all about hit, striking in that, in that window. I think the Bengals are in a great window right now for the opposite reason. They have Joe Burrow on a rookie contract, and a lot of their early picks have panned out so far. They were able to invest in their offensive line. If you're able to hit on those guys like the Rams have done, like the Patriots have done, and kind of keep yourself in a in a good spot financially, then you can be a contending team for years as long as you have the quarterback. I believe the Raiders have the quarterback. I think Derek Carr has proven enough to uh, show the world that he is that quarterback, even if there are doubters. So, yeah, you hope that those UDFAs that you have on your roster end up you know, proving to be quality guys, and it extends your window. Because the, the biggest key, and I thought Seattle did this pretty well for the most of the last decade. Now, they ran to the end of their run and had to get rid of Russell Wilson in the last couple of years. I think the, the acquisition of Jamal Adams and the contract they gave him was a part of their downfall. You try to avoid those pitfalls, overpaying guys that don't end up being that valuable to you. But because they were able to hit on undrafted guys in the past, um, late-round guys, you know, the, the the types of players that rise up out of nowhere, the Doug Baldwins, you know, that end yeah. up being big-time contributors, they were able to be competitive for many, many years. So you hope the same thing happens with the Raiders. Talking to NFL Network's Nick Shook right now on Unnecessary Roughness, Radio Nation Radio 920. Just got a couple more questions for you. My man Jared has one for you. Go ahead, Jared. All right, so if you rate a team, would you be willing to pay <laughs> Russell Wilson for the player he might be in the future i think if you're the broncos and you just gave up that capital to acquire <laughs> russell wilson you are committed to paying him no matter yeah. what and you mm-hmm. hope that it pans out i think that last year was an aberration from russell wilson and the reason is is a he got that weird finger injury in the middle of that game and b that offensive line has been a problem for them for the last three last probably two or three years 
And probably the most important of all those factors, they like to run the football. Chris Carson couldn't stay healthy. They couldn't find a quality lead back to be able to pound it with. Combined with that offensive line not being as good as they anticipated, missing on some draft picks that they brought in that they hoped would end up being, uh, you know, solid offensive linemen. The you know even like the Russell Coon types and, and you can keep Jermaine Effetti. You can go down the list with the different guys that they drafted. All that kind of came to a head, and I don't really think much of that was Russell's fault. Now, did he run himself into some sacks in his last couple of years in Seattle? Yes, absolutely, because that's the type of player he is. But if you build your team, I'm a big believer in inside-out. you got to start with offensive and defensive line. You can get a strong offensive line, and then you are allowed, I think, you are permitted to pay a guy like Russell Wilson and take that chance because we have a decade of proof that he is a near-elite quarterback or elite quarterback. It was three years ago he was in the MVP running for the first half of that season, 2019. He's been in the conversation the last couple years. He's still a very good player. I don't think we should make a snap judgment off of the last season when he did not really have, you know, he had receiving options for sure in Tyler Lockett and D.K. Metcalf, but they didn't have as much in the rest of that offense that they had in previous years to really be contenders, and then getting hurt kind of undercut all of that. So I think when you make that trade, you have to pay him because you've already attached yourself to him. And in order to get that security, you know, taken care of and be able to proceed forward, that's what you have to do. Now, is the number astronomical? Yeah. Did Deshaun Watson reset the quarterback market? Hmm. Yes, he did. Is that where we're going to see everybody else go? Yes. But is the cap also going to continue to increase, especially with that new TV money? It is. So it's not going to be quite as much as you think it is. And I think the investment is something that you have to make. You have no other option at that point. And let's consider where the Broncos came from. I mean, Peyton Manning walks off into retirement after they win Super Bowl 50, and they just go through run-of-the-mill quarterback after quarterback after quarterback, Paxton Lynch, Trevor Simeon, Drew Locke, you can go down the list. Brett Rippon, who's still on the roster. Chad Kelly for a tiny bit of preseason. We can keep going down the list all day. Uh, they've swung and missed so many times that they've got a guy that they think, you know what, screw it. Let, let's pay him because we got nothing better and we're way farther ahead than we were in the last few years. Let's commit to it now and see what happens. Nick Shook from the NFL Network here with us on Unnecessary Roughness. All right, so then just be brutally honest. <laughs> rank, the, rank the four teams in the AFC West as you see it. I've gone this, through this exercise so much, and we did our picks, and I actually have changed my mind. So it reminds me of the 2020 draft class because um, I was really high on um, – uh, it was like a mix between Jedrick Wills and then the, the kid from Iowa, I don't know his name is Casey, playing right tackle in Tampa Bay, and I was, I was going with the latter. And he was my guy. I went to the combine. I was watching him. And I'm like, that's, that's the top tackle. I don't care if he's a right tackle. That's the top tackle in this draft. Yeah, his pass sets need work or whatever, but I can just see it from the suite at Lucas Oil Stadium. That's the guy. And then in the last second, I switched to Jedrick Wills and thought, you know what, that's my guy. And I think I was peer pressured into it. So in the opposite example here, I think I was peer pressured into putting the Broncos in the playoffs. And if I had to rank the four teams, I like the Chargers the most. Oh. Even though they got a lot of new pieces and Brandon Staley, I don't know. You cannot overlook the Chiefs. Right? Chiefs and Raiders are right there. And if I had to pick a team to miss the playoffs, because I think this division potentially gets three playoff teams. Yeah. They don't get four. If they get three, the three are the Chargers, they're the Chiefs, and they're the Raiders, and the Broncos miss it because there's so many new pieces, new head coach. I think that there's enough margin for error for them to end up like eight and nine, and the Raiders end up as like wild card two or three. And they beat the crap out of each other, and they hope that one team makes it past the first round of the playoffs, but you're at least there. 
Right. Yeah, hey, once you get to the playoffs, it's on you what you do after that. But I'm with you when it comes to the Broncos. I've been pretty uh I've been pretty adamant about that the whole time. Like they got a lot of new parts that they have to see if they can uh work out and see if they can all all get on the same page. And Nick, before we let you go, you mentioned the Chiefs and we gotta give the Chiefs the credit because well they've been the cream of the crop for so long. How much of a well, I don't want to say step back, but how much different does that offense look without Tyreek Hill? I also want to correct myself real quick. Uh, it's Tristan Wirfs. That was the name I was escaping me. Gotcha. Uh, that that offense, you know, I'm, I'm intrigued because I think that Tyreek and Patrick Mahomes were a special combination that aren't quite as special separated. And mm-hmm. I think that Patrick Mahomes continues to be a very special quarterback. And we realize that Tr- Tyreek Hill really needs that elite quarterback to maximize his talents. I hate to say that because I would love to see him succeed in Miami. So, uh, I think that they'll be okay. I think they'll be fine. And the reason is not Juju Smith-Schuster or Marquez Valdez-Scantling or even Miko Hardman. The reason, I'm going to put all my chips into the center of the table on a rookie receiver out of Western Michigan, the Mid-American Conference yeah! that I have called home. <laughs> Sky Moore is going to be Sky a big time contributor for them. <laughs> as long as he stays healthy, he's going to be a big piece of that offense. I think Andy Reid's going to be able to maximize Eric Bieniemy. They're going to take advantage of his ability. He's another guy you're going to talk about sitting at Lucas Oil Stadium during the combine. You can see that from the suite, too. I mean, I knew about his Mac career, but it's, you know, some Corey Davis comes out, first-round pick, and eh, whatever. Uh, it's up and down with guys who come out of the Mac typically. That guy, you could see it in the combine, was going to be special. I think he's going to be a big part of that offense. So I think they'll be fine. As long as they can keep their running backs healthy, if Clyde Edwards-Alaire can actually oh, yeah. make it through a season healthy, they're going to be fine. Um, and, and I think that Pat Mahomes will be in a better off situation than Tyreek Hill will. I, I agree with that 100%. I, I think Tyreek Hill is giving us fool's goal when he keeps saying that, you know, uh, Tua Tagovailoa is the most accurate quarterback and all that other stuff. And, hey, he's got he's to feed his guy, right? That's, that's his quarterback. He's got to get the rock. And so I understand giving him a little bit of boost of confidence, but I just don't see it. So, Nick, fantastic stuff as always, my man. Uh, what are you working on? What are you working on that we need to be on the lookout for? Uh, well, I just released uh, triplets rankings for the season and gotten enough slack for that already, but that's typical. I don't have any stuff. Fans get upset and get after you yep. on Twitter. But, yeah, that's up there on NFL.com, ranking the best uh, quarterback, uh, running back, and pass catcher combinations in the NFL. I think I had the Bengals atop that, that list. Uh, okay. did a little bit of discussion for that on NFL Network on Wednesday. You can find some clips of that on my Twitter as well. Uh, and then next week starts the Underdog Series. Uh, where we go week by week and look at the underdogs based on the lines released by, you know, the leading sports books. And, and, and I kind of explore, not so much from a betting standpoint, but just explore from a football standpoint why this underdog has a good chance to win this week. And, and, and we'll go through, I don't know, a half dozen of those every week. And uh, you'll see that about Tuesday or Wednesday every week. And uh, it'll be the running series for the season. I'll talk about it on, on the network for a little bit every week as well. And, uh, you know, keep an eye out for that. Yeah, definitely will. And Raider Nation, at the Nick Shook on Twitter. Go check it out right now. Carr Adams Jacobs. I wonder where he has ranked. If he has a rank, we're not going to talk about it. You go check it out. Nick, fantastic work as always, my man. I appreciate you coming on the show. We'll talk soon. All right, thanks, man. All right, there he goes, my guy, Nick Shook, NFL Network, at the Nick Shook on Twitter. Go check it out. Let me know. I don't know. I haven't seen it. Does he have Devontae Adams, Derek Carr, and Josh Jacobs ranked as far as triplets go? 
Again, I have no idea. Go check it out for yourself, but we appreciate him spending some time with us today here on Unnecessary Rough. There's 319 at the time. Uh, we'll get back to your calls and text, 702-365-9200, Sam and Ash text line, 69187, keyword R&R. we got a ton of text messages to get to. Most of them are talking trash about Jared, but that's cool. No worries. We'll get to those, too. We'll do it next here on Radio Nation Radio 920. My life be like... This in from Field Yates on Twitter. The Raiders tried out veteran linebackers Alec Ogletree and Reggie Raglan, who both played for defensive coordinator Patrick Graham last season. They also tried out DB's TJ Carey. Yeah, that TJ Carey. And Jaron Williams. So there you go. TJ Carey and Jaron Williams, Reggie Raglan, Alec Ogletree, Alec Ogletree, excuse me, all came in to work out with the silver and black today. So uh, we'll give you an update on that as it rolls in. Also got some really good texts on the Salmon S text line. I just line. saw them. <laughs> 69187, keyword R&R. That voice that you hear is Jared. Jared Justus is sitting in for uh, DeMond Cotton today, who DeMond had to fill in on the JT The Brick Show with Adam Hill. They did a great job, noon to 2, and so we're rocking with you 2 to 5 p.m. here on Unnecessary Roughness In. Got this text from the 907. says, Q, Watch out for your backpack. I heard there's a black guy with a tan jacket roaming around Lotus Broadcasting. <laughs> I laugh and I clap at that. And for anyone who doesn't know the story, I will tell oh, you, it's not, it's not an offensive text. It's not at all. Um, when we were in L.A. for the Super Bowl, my backpack was stolen. I mean, it's offensive that they assumed. Yeah, it should have been offensive to me. <laughs> But I was so mad about my backpack that I just kind of whatever. So my backpack gets stolen in L.A. at the Super Bowl. Me and Jared, who is definitely not black, is we're there. I'm a blonde Jewish guy. <laughs> so we, we put, I put my backpack under the table. I hide it really well. Obviously not well enough. But I hide it. And we come back. We went to have just a quick bite to eat right, literally right outside the the event center, and this is a remember. This is a secure area. There's security everywhere. You have to show your credential. They actually, Jared, they had us using a machine yes. to even verify that our credential was us. A big like, picture of our face popped yeah, up. Like they couldn't even look at our credential and say, "Oh yeah, that's you." They had to verify it with this machine. They made us go through metal detectors. They made the whole shebang, right? And then I get back and my backpack's gone. I'm like, "Hey, security, where's my backpack?" I don't know. <laughs> so anyway, so that was the first issue. So then they say, okay, we're going to go look at the tape. So they go and run the tape, and at this point, it took forever. It's so late. It's like damn near midnight. Jared's uh, almost asleep. He's I like, no, I am asleep on three. I, yeah. I'm asleep on three chairs put together, even though there is a full mattress behind me that I just don't realize. Yeah, is that's a true. Thing. There was a, like a mattress firm or some kind of display, and he didn't even realize there was a mattress there. And so he's sleeping on chairs. I'm getting irritated because it's taking forever, and the police are taking their sweet time. And they're like, oh, and I say, well, there's like 5,000 cameras here. Could someone just go and look at the the camera to see you know what's going on yeah yeah well so they send us to this area to go review the film then all of a sudden they tell me that i can't review the film i'm not allowed to look at it even though it's my stuff that got stolen so i get the whole runaround and i'm at this point i'm so irritated i'm irritated beyond like belief like at this point i don't even care right it's just like okay like f it my backpack's gone it's not coming back my stuff's stolen fine but, of course, we had to hang around, hang around, hang around. Finally, the police came back with some good news. Hey, we looked at the film, and we know who took your backpack. I was like, oh, great. Who? A black guy with a tan jacket. And I said, really? 
He said, yeah. And I said, well, first, that's a weird description. And then they showed me the picture on the phone. Here's the picture of the guy. Well, the black guy with the tan jacket was Jared, who's white and Jewish with, a, <laughs> with, with, a, blonde, with, a, hair. with blonde hair. And I was like, first of all, that's not a black guy. That's Jared. <laughs> and I was actually a little offended, but I was too tired to be angry. I'm like, how is that? How did you assume in that picture that you're looking at a black guy when Jared looks nothing like a black guy? And then they thought I was wrong. <laughs> then they questioned me. And I was like, he's staying in the same Airbnb as me. I know what he looks like. We drove from L Las Vegas to L.A. together. I'm very aware of what Jared looks like. <laughs> I also, I literally helped you look under how many different tables. That's what I'm saying. It was like literally, right. It was me and you walking around looking for my backpack, and they identified you as the black guy with the tan jacket. So for the rest of the week on Radio Row, for anyone who doesn't know this story, Jared was the black guy, in air quotes, with the tan jacket. So there you go. So that's the story of the... <laughs> Of that text, and that's a uh, kudos to the texter. That was a great text right there. I could appreciate that. Coming up next, we're going to talk to Mark McMillan. Yeah, you you want me to take a break? Yeah, well, you want to take a break? Okay, no, Jared's. No, no, I was asking. I was asking. Oh. We, we're doing on sh on on the air uh, <laughs> on the air planning. Uh, take a call. I'll uh, I'll. Okay, you'll call McMillan. Yeah. Okay, cool. Let's take a call. Seven zero two three six five nine two hundred on the air producing. Who's up next? We'll take uh, Mitch in New Jersey. Welcome to the show, my man. How's it going? Oh, I'm blessed, man. I'm blessed. Yeah. I'm trying. You're blessed, too. That grandson, he's something else. Best thing that ever happened to me. Nice. Well, second half after my, uh, my daughter, my wife. Um, I would say, uh, say as I was going to say, the Chargers are like a new KC. That's going to be the most important game. I hope we're ready for the battle. Um, our defensive lines have become prepared. And our defensive backs. I mean, but our teams is kind of fair. They're awesome charges. They uh, can't say Lost Hill. We gained an Adam Adams. Um, that nullifies it uh, big time, I think. Okay. And well, I know I'm glad. We, I'm glad we got the run backs. Might be getting greedy here. Justin Jackson. I think he's with the Charge last couple of years. Couldn't stay. Couldn't stay injured. Is he still available? And I haven't heard anything about uh, Dominic Sue. Fill me in. Have a good weekend. Stay blessed. All right. Hey, thank you so much for that call, Mitch. I do appreciate you, and you stay blessed as well. Enjoy that grandbaby of yours. Of course, that's going to be uh, lots of fun seeing that grandson grow up. So uh, appreciate your time. And, uh, yeah, I don't know about uh, the running back. I know uh, Sue is still out there and available, um, and I think that if the Raiders wanted him at this point, they probably would already have him. So uh, I'm not looking to see that guy added to the roster anytime soon. But you never know. They're bringing in guys, and they're, uh, they're talking to multiple guys and bringing them in for workouts. So we'll see. How that goes right now join us on the phone lines our good friend mark mcmillan former nfl defensive back played with the eagles played with kansas city was fantastic was on the all madden team and he's just a good dude anyway in general so uh, mark thank you so much for your time this afternoon my man i appreciate you before we start talking some nfl what are your thoughts on the college football playoffs being uh, expanded to 12 teams starting in 2026 well you know it's all about money man uh you know obviously with the expansion of the big ten uh, the the Pac-12 is going to be dwindling down. So you figure when you have alliance like that, you have to expand uh, the college football playoffs because you know you might have one of those teams. You might have two or three teams uh, from a from a conference now that are able to get into the playoffs. So it's all about money. Uh, it's more teams that get the opportunity to go out and uh, and see if they can knock off the the, uh, the powerful Ohio State and Alabamas and Clemson's of the world. 
Yeah, you know, and I, that's why I wanted to ask you because you obviously are Alabama alum. Alabama's always in the college football playoffs. I, I told people, anyone who will listen, I told them, I don't know, a week ago, that it'll be Alabama, Georgia, Ohio State, and then other, right? Go ahead and put the other one in there. But that's who's going to be in there for sure. So, so from an Alabama point of view, how does, how, do, how does the Crimson Tide feel about expanding the playoffs? Um, you know, Nick Saban, I, he wasn't a fan of it at first. Uh, but, you know, uh, their team is so loaded and so stocked, man. It's not going to matter if you go from – Six playoffs, eight to sixteen. Alabama is still going to be in there. Mm-hmm. Um, obviously, when you're playing in the Southeastern Conference, it is a gauntlet. You know, right. every week that you play, you're playing against uh, you know a really tough competition. So I don't think you have that kind of parity among college football across the board. Maybe the Big Ten has it a little bit, uh, but but I, I really don't see it as the gauntlet that the SEC has to go through. Um, you figure when you play the SEC championship game. You're usually playing like the number two or number three team in the nation. Um, you know, you look at the Big Ten. You know, there's there's what Michigan, and then there there could be Ohio State. But you know, it, it's definitely a parody about that. But um, I don't think it's going to hurt Alabama any. Uh, it's not going to affect Clemson. It's definitely not going to affect Ohio State. Now you got Michigan, the Michigan State. Uh, you know, the Boise State, the schools on the outside looking in the Cincinnati's. Now they have a, a legitimate opportunity to now get in. And not have to just win out in their in their uh, in their season. Talking again with Mark McMillan right now on Unnecessary Roughness, Radio Nation Radio nine twenty. Now I wanted to ask you about the secondary, but before I get to that, uh, former Crimson Tide Alex Leatherwood, obviously the Raiders released him. He's now in Chicago. We've been out there at practice a lot, and we saw Alex. Yeah. And I don't think anyone was rooting against him. But Mark, at some point, I said he lost his confidence. And you, as a player, you know you know about confidence and, and what it, you know what you have to have to be out there and be successful. Did you see that as well? That it was just a matter of his confidence had been shot. Yeah, even when we were at the press conference, uh, I think it's probably maybe the second week of, of preseason. Um, you know, in the press conference, his body language uh, was down. Uh, you know, then in practice, you see him get beat on the play. Then he comes up with an injury, uh, walking to the water bottles. Just his body language was just not. It's like he was. He didn't even want to be there. And you know, it was just. You know, we we sat there, and we watched it, and you know, we kind of talked about it. Like, man, he just checked out. Seemed like he checked out. And as a player, man, when you just don't want to be there and you hear all the talk, uh, when you're the, when you're a first round pick, I can't imagine what the pressure is right. being a first round pick either. But you know, sometimes players just need to go to different teams, and, and uh, you know, he'll probably do better in Chicago. You know, he doesn't have all the pressure on him as being the number one guy, and every week everybody's talking about Leatherwood. You know, I don't think he's a tackle. I think he'll be better off as a guard in the National Football League. I agree. I've been saying that for a while. I thought he was a guard, and I do think he has an opportunity now in Chicago just to, you know, regain that confidence, get some more reps under his belt, and, and you know, just kind of be the guy that he was in, in Alabama because, look, he, he won awards for a reason. I mean, he's a guy who can play. You just got, you know what I mean? Like, they don't just hand out awards to anybody just because you're a big dude. So, you know he can play. He's just got to put it all together. Now, Mark, I did, like I said, want to ask you about the secondary. Uh, it's a revamped room. You know, Casey Hayward yeah. was there last season. He's in Atlanta now. Trayvon Mullen, they just traded him to the Cardinals. How surprised were you, even though we didn't see Trayvon Mullen too much, how surprised were you that they traded him? I was surprised. I just thought he had an opportunity to, to really contribute to this secondary um, that, that was that's still young. Uh, you look at some of the guys, these, these guys are – are still young. You know, Jonathan Abrams probably, you know, probably the, the leader of the group now, and he's still, you know, in his, what, third, fourth year in the National Football League. Nate Hobbs, this is his second year. 
Um, you know, you got Yatsin, who's you know came over from Indiana, uh, that that has a lot of game experience as well. Now you move uh, Meek Robinson to, to the Nickelback. Uh, Anthony Abrams is a good uh, you know uh, pickup from Baltimore, who was hurt pretty much uh, the whole training camp. So it's like it was shocking to me to see him make that move. But they're just going with the guys that they have. Um, hopefully they can get after it. But the, the 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 neutralizer for this secondary is you got Chandler Jones and you got Max Crosby. So that's going to help those guys out a lot. How much does that? There's always a good conversation. You know, it's like the DBs and the defensive line are always arguing. I always say the DBs win games, and I know you have no problem with that. But, you know, everyone works together. So how much does that help when you have a strong pass rush out there? Um, I, I always say um, you could probably ask any defensive back. We're only as good as our pass rush. And that same thing with the offensive linemen. Uh, a, a right tackle or left tackle depends on if your quarterback is right handed or left-handed, uh, you know, you got to have that tackle spot. And that's why those guys get paid the big-time money. And now you're seeing these edge rusher guys uh, who are like hybrid safeties pretty much in college. Now they're coming off the edge. You're looking at the guys with long arms that can get around the passers. Uh, so, you know, it, it's huge to have that up front. Obviously, you know, I had Derek Thomas in Kansas City, had Reggie White, uh, Jerome Brown, Clyde Simmons in, in, uh, in uh, Philadelphia, so I was always blessed with some really good pass rushers, which made me and Eric's job a lot easier. Talking again with Mark McMillan right now, Raider Nation Radio 920, Unnecessary Rough. This is as far as Nate Hobbs goes. He's a guy that me and you at practice have talked about quite a bit going up against Devontae Adams and anyone else who will line up across from him. What are your expectations yeah. for Nate in year two? Because he looks like he has an opportunity to be something special. Um, I have a, I have a, I've been raving about this young man uh, all year, and I know a lot of people are like, why are you so on Nate Hobbs? He gave up some plays last year, and I challenge anybody that watches National Football League to go out there and play on the island when you really don't have that pass rush and knowing that you're the rookie and you're going to get targeted. Uh, it, it's a tough job. Mm-hmm. Plus, he was playing inside, and now he's able to play outside. Uh, he's able to see the ball a little bit faster. Uh, he doesn't have to worry about the run uh, with the blitz scheme as much being on the outside. Uh, so he's a physical guy. Um, he's a guy that, that will get up in your face and challenge you on every single play, whether he gets beat or not. Uh, he's going to come back and, and be that guy that they need. And, you know, fans just got to understand, man, this guy's going to, he's going to give up some plays as any cornerback in right. the National Football League. Uh, but if you get behind this young man, if you watch this man work as we had opportunity all pre- uh, training camp, the guy is business, and I really like the way he goes about his business. I do, too. You know, I think he's really in line for a big season, and I think he looks like a guy that could just really line up anywhere on the field. Do you expect to see Patrick Graham put him outside, slide him inside, put him just all over the field, just be that weapon defensively for, for this unit? I think he, he, he very well can play the safety spot. He can play the nickel spot. Uh, he can play the corner spot. Obviously, he knows the nickel position really well, uh, so he can match up inside. You know, obviously, if you have a top receiver – they make want to, you know, move them inside. Nate Hobbs can go in there and, and eliminate that, uh, that, that, uh, that threat. So he could play all over the secondary, which is rare nowadays. But, you know, when you have a guy that, that has that ability, he has a really good upside. Um, you know, he, he's lived up to the bill. Um, if you look at what he's done last year about his completion percentage uh, against him as a rookie, um, he's one of the tops in the league uh, in those categories last year. Um, and I just look for him to have a solid year, man, just continue to grow. Uh, from a defensive standpoint, man, I love seeing defensive backs being aggressive, getting in guys' face. And, you know, I, I really can't say what Nahas really says in, in the press conference. And he kind of reiterated, but 
the dude is a dog, man. <laughs> yeah. No, he is. And I, I like his, you know, we talked about Alex Leatherwood and his, his body language and his mentality, but Nate in the pressers, man, and he talked to the media yesterday, he's just – He's just about that business. It seems like he's just about that business. Got a little edge to him that um, yeah. I think is really going to help him have that edge and, and, like I said, that chip on the shoulder. Yeah, as they say in the street, Nate Hobbs is about that life on the football field, man. <laughs> <laughs> Absolutely. So, yeah, just 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 have a couple more questions for you. What about uh, – what do you have you seen from the scheme? What Patrick Graham and, and, and Jason Simmons, uh, the secondary coach, what they're trying to do with their corners and their safeties? What have you seen from that? How effective do you think it could be for them? I think it'd be real effective. Uh, guys are playing a little bit more freely. Uh, they seem to be a lot more comfortable from the first preseason game to the last preseason game. Uh, the way they are handling coverages, bunch sets, uh, three wide receiver sets. Guys are not running into each other. Uh, receivers are not running wide open uh, without without safety help and stuff like that. So I think the way they're using their scheme is pretty good. Using Abraham in the box more. Um, he's not a space guy, so the closer you can get him to the box and, and help out with the running game, uh, you know, it, it's key for those guys as well. So they're using him to the best of his ability, in my opinion. Jared's got a couple questions that he wanted to ask you, but before he does, I wanted to ask you about communication. That's something that we hear the coaches screaming at the players when we're standing out there at the practice field. How much have you seen the communication look like it flows pretty well amongst that defense out there? Uh, the communication looks a lot better. Um, like I said, these guys are talking – um, that's a key thing about a secondary. You have to be able to be verbal. You have to be able to, to talk. Uh, through training camp, like I said, it, it's guys coming from all over the place. They're trying to, you know, win a job. Uh, you know, once the roster is set, uh, guys are just locked in. And the communication on the back end is a lot better. Uh, knowing, like I said, when you have guys that can rush the passer like Jones and Crosby, your communication has to be on point. And if you guys are good on the back end, because that ball is going to come out quick. Uh, you know, Max Crosby is probably one of the most relentless defensive pass rushers uh, that we probably have in, in, in the game right now. So the communication in the back end uh, looks a lot better. Uh, Abram, you know, all, all, all training camp, man, he was about his business as well. I didn't see him smile or joke not one time <laughs> in the two or three weeks that I was out there. And I was like, man, this kid knows that he has a lot on the line. They have a good chance of winning. They went to the playoffs. I don't think people really understand that. They went to the playoffs. I don't know why Raider fans are like, man, we get behind this team because you have something special with this team. Talking right now with Mark McMillan, former NFL defensive back, played with the Eagles, played with Kansas City, and he's with us here on Raider Nation Radio 920, Unnecessary Roughness. My man Jared's got a couple questions for you. All right. So Uh-oh. Heavy hitters right here. These are the heavy yeah, hitters. Yeah, these are the important questions. <laughs> All right, I'm going to go real quick, rapid fire. Uh-oh. Whenever you're smoking a uh, pork shoulder, do you go fat up or fat down? Uh, have you ever deep fried a turkey? And what is your favorite marinade for, like, a skirt steak or a flank steak? Wow. Oh, well, you got to have the fat up because you got to let it render down inside the meat. So always fat side up when you're cooking a brisket or a pork tenderloin or something like that. Uh, the marinade, well, I have my own marinade. It's called Grilla McMillan's Secret Sauce. So I always use my own marinade. I like it. I like it. So, so uh, what was it? What was your third question? You no, had to... it was: Have you ever deep fried a turkey? Oh, okay, deep fried oh, turkey. Come on now, everybody's deep fried a turkey, man. You you inject that with some Cajun Creole butter. Uh, you got to be careful though, because you know I see a lot of bad bad things happening on you know people putting <laughs> that, that cold turkey in that in that hot grease. So you got to make sure you drop the turkey in the in the grease, nice and slow, and make sure you have it probably maybe like. 
two or three cups. A lot of people like to put two gallons in there and then the overflows, and then you have these uh, uh, blow-ups in, ba- in the back of people's houses. So, man, stay tuned. I got something special, though. My new spice is going to be dropping in, in October. Uh, uh, I got some new stuff working with Fox as well. So I got a lot in the, in, in the pan working, man. Yeah, no, I know you do. Didn't, didn't you just release something else, too, the other day? Did I see that correctly on Twitter? Yeah, yeah, I just released, released. Uh, you know, I got a lemonade out here at Wawa uh, Lemonade. Uh, it's called the Mighty Mouse. Uh, so that, that just released. I just signed on with the, uh, with the Charcoal Pellet Company today, who's going to be one of my sponsors as well. Uh, so I got a lot of things working in the fa- in, in the fire, man. Not just football, man. I'm trying to do it all. <laughs> I'm not mad. I'm not yeah. mad. If you want to find out more about what uh, Grill and McMillan's got going on, check out his Twitter at Mark McMillan29. That's at Mark McMillan29. He's always tweeting out uh, what he's got going. And uh, that lemonade intrigues me, man. That lemonade intrigues me. And and whatever you're doing on the grill, I'm all for it because I can't cook a lick, but I sure can eat it and I can drink <laughs> it with the best of them. <laughs> <laughs> we can't bring food into the media room, so, you know, obviously uh, Heidi bought us some nice chocolate chip cookies. I know you said you don't like sweets, but, man, you were missing out on those cookies, man. They were banging. Yeah, that's what I heard. But, yeah, I, I try to stay away from the sweets. I got enough issues. I try to stay away from the sweets. But I'm all for the lemonade. I'm all for the barbecue. So uh, we got to get together, my man. I do appreciate you. When you have some more news, definitely let us know so we can pass it along, my man. I appreciate it. I appreciate it. One of the hardest working men in the business, my man Q. Keep it up, man. Will do, my man. I appreciate you. Again, Mark McMillan right there, former NFL defensive back, played with the Eagles, played with the Chiefs, at Mark McMillan 29 on Twitter, Grilling McMillan. Definitely appreciate his time. 3.45 is the time. We'll take a quick break, come back, close out hour number two. Gangster Raider, I see you. Hold on. We'll get right to you. This is Raider Nation Radio 920. What would you consider to be the most intriguing storyline surrounding the Raiders this upcoming season? This is the question that we ask you here on Unnecessary Roughness, Raider Nation Radio 920. My man Jared filling in for DeMond this afternoon. Of course, I'm your boy Q. Jared's in the Finley Cadillac Performance Studio. I'm in the home studio as got a lot more radio to do the rest of this afternoon, and that's great. Going into Labor Day weekend, we're excited to to be here with you. Got a text on the Sam and Ash text line at 69187, keyword R&R from Big JT from Santa Cruz. I'm going to switch it up, Q, and say the storyline for the Raiders this upcoming season is going to be the red zone defense, how we were ranked last, and I'd say that we should be top five this year. That's a big switch right there. That would be a big, huge upgrade, and that could be a hell of a storyline. I like that. Again, that's uh, Big JT from Santa Cruz. Shout out to Santa Cruz, California, one of my favorite cities to go to and hang out at. Definitely had a lot of fun in Santa Cruz. Let's go out to the phone lines now at 702-365-9200. A very patient gangster Raider. Welcome to the show. What's on your mind, my man? Hey, what's up, Q? I'm out here in Phoenix because I'm out here um, creating content now. So I decided to go up here to the um, Scottsdale, to the um, Phoenix Stadium, I mean Cardinal Stadium because that's where the Super Bowl is going to be out here this year. So I'm filming a video outside the um, stadium nice. and I'm playing the Raider hat. I'm leaving the Raider hat up here because I believe the Raiders are going to be in the Super Bowl this year. And next year, so I'm planning the Raider hat so I can come back and get it during the Super Bowl. You know what I'm saying? And so, I like um, it. I like it. I I, I think um, I think the biggest story of the year, or the most intriguing story, is going to be Derek Carr finally being unlocked by um, Josh McDaniels. And when I say him being unlocked, I think he's going to lead the league in QBR. He's going to lead the league in passing yards. He's going to lead the league in touchdowns, and he's going to win MVP. And with that. With that happening, I think the second 
story because our defense is going to shock a lot of people, and then that's going to be the second uh, most intriguing story. First, the De- Derek Carr being unlocked by Josh McDaniels and his offense, and then the second part is this defense is going to surprise a lot of people. You know what I'm saying? And uh, I tell you, this is going to be a great season. You see, we already, already got off to a good start in preseason. You know, preseason don't count. This is just a, um, a, um, a look, a glimpse into how it's going to be to the system. I mean, into the season. Because you see, he cleaned up with a lot of mistakes. And like I said, we're going to stop shooting ourselves in the foot. And that's going to get us at least three to four more wins, just taking um, all the um, negative effects that helped us to lose, you know, the last two seasons. You know what I'm saying? So I'm thinking. The biggest season, I mean, the biggest story is going to be Derek Carr probably being unlocked, and he's going to win MVP too. You know what I'm saying? Hell yeah. And I checked the, um, at Caesars Sports Line, Sportsbook yesterday. The odds is 30 to 1 for him to win MVP. So if y'all still want to hop on it, it's 30 to 1 at Caesars, Caesars Sportsbook. All right, y'all, I'm gone. Y'all keep it gangster, Q. Hey, great call, my man. Great call. Appreciate hearing from you. And I think that there's a couple things from that call. I think that. That shooting themselves in the foot and not doing that anymore is going to be huge. I think it's going to be massive. And you can't take wins away from the the preseason. You cannot, right? That's no doubt about it. But what you can take away is the habits that you were forming in the preseason. Not shooting yourself in the foot. No turnovers. Think about this. I I know we kind of gloss over that. But no turnovers with backups with guys that are lower on the depth chart trying to fight for jobs, you would think a guy would get a little loose with the ball trying to make an extra play. you think a guy tried to, like a quarterback, tried to slip it in there into a window that's a little too small, a little bit more, because he's trying to show what he could do, right? No turnovers in four stinking games. That tells me a lot. Now, I'm not saying they're going to go 17 games in 18 weeks with no turnovers. That would be foolish. But if you minimize your mistakes, you put the pressure on the other team. So many times the Raiders, and again, last year they won 10 games and they made a ton of mistakes. A ton. Turned the ball over way too much. Way too many penalties. All kind of issues that they had. If you can eliminate just that, you're already looking at a team that should, on paper, win 10 games which, like they did a season ago. Everything else after that is gravy, right? So I'm, I'm with you 100%. The other thing on your call, uh, I like the fact that you said you're going to go plant the hat or whatever. Uh, it's funny, when I was doing high school football in uh, Texas, the first game of the season, uh, for some reason it was some special, was being played at AT&T Stadium in Jerry's World. And so the coach, I was always interviewing the coach, it was Temple High School, and I interviewed the coach after the game and I said, hey, this is the end result right here for the Temple Wildcats is you want to be at the state championship games, which are played right here in Jerry's world. Did you plan anything in the locker room like a $100 bill and say, we'll be back to collect this at the end of the season? And he just looked at me and said, no, sir, but he laughed. And he kind of gave me that look like, no, I didn't, but yes, I did, right? Because uh, some of the, you know, just getting back, like that's that motivation. All right, guys, we're going to leave this $100 bill here in the locker room at the end of the season. It's your job to get us back here. So we can collect this hundred dollars. So it's just I like what you said there, and it made me immediately think of um, Coach Scott Stewart from the Temple Wildcats back in Central Texas when I was covering high school football. So uh, good stuff, Gangster Raider. I definitely appreciate you coming up in hour number three. Lee Sterling from ParamountSports.com. He'll talk about the odds. He'll talk about some money as far as college football goes. And coming up next, Phil Villapiano from Alumni Weekend had an opportunity to catch up with Foo. You'll hear that conversation as we kick off hour number three on Raider Nation Radio nine twenty.